Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. Well, tonight is part four of Am I My Brother's Keeper? This is the last part, and I can say I have been truly blessed to be able to come before you and to communicate the truth of God's word. And I tell you, I don't take that lightly and I don't take it for granted, but I am honored to be able to stand before you, to stand before the the people of God. Before we get into our final part, I wanna do just a quick overview of part three. And part three was titled, Our Role. The part that we play in the lives of one another. The part that we play as my brother's keeper. And the part that we play, we are bodybuilders. We are spiritual bodybuilders. We are those who help build up the body of Christ, to build up the people of God, not to be instruments of tearing it down but we are those who build up the body of Christ. We are a part of one another's transformation process. We are a part of that process. And we saw, we covered three areas. We are, as bodybuilders, we reconcile broken relationships because it is important to God. And God wants us to mend broken relationships. He wants us to make peace with one another. He wants us to change our feelings for one another before we worship him. Before we worship him. We looked at Matthew 5, verses 21 through 26. And what we learned was that if we know that our brother has something against us, we are to go to that brother and be reconciled. We're to leave our worship at the altar. So all of my, oh Lord, you're good, you are wonderful, God say, ah, shut it down. <laughs> he says, be reconciled. Leave that at the altar. Go be reconciled to your brother or sister. Then come back, Lord, you are good. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then come back. We are to do it quickly. And we are to do it quickly because it affects our communion with him. We also looked at not only as bodybuilders are we to reconcile, but we are to bear one another's burdens. We looked at Galatians 6 verses 1 through 5. We understood 
that we are to be those who help others put things back in the appropriate place in their lives, spiritually speaking. We're to be a part of that. We are. We are to help them do what is too much for them to do on their own as a result of sin. We understood that we cannot take away the consequences of one another's sin, but we can nevertheless, because there is nothing new under the sun, we can stand with them. We can pray for them. We can encourage them because we probably ourselves have been there. So we are to bear one another's burdens. Third, thirdly, as bodybuilders, we live a one another life. There are 59 opportunities outlined in scripture designed to build up one another, assisting in that transformation process. So tonight, we conclude with our response and embracing our response. So if we know that our role is that of a bodybuilder to build up the body of Christ, then what should my response be? My response should be agreement. Now, agreement in this context, agreement of one's own accord without being asked or forced. That's what we're talking about in this series, in this context. Agreement meaning of one's own accord without being asked or forced. And the reason being is being my brother's keeper is what I do. It's what I do. Because now my very nature as a believer dictates now that this is who I am. My very nature. I cannot not be your keeper. I cannot not be that because that is who we now are in Jesus Christ because of what he did for us on the cross. It is our very nature. So not to act as my brother's keeper is unnatural. It's unnatural. Mm -hmm. So I am agreeing to what I am to do and who I am. To do anything other than that does not express who I am in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to make a slight pause, just a, a little side um, note here. A good question was asked, somewhat indirectly, but it nevertheless was asked. And I thought that it would be good for us to discuss it. 
And the question was, and the question is, what if someone doesn't want to be kept? That's a good question. What if someone doesn't want to be kept? And we're going to look at two things, two things. Turn to Matthew 18, verse 15. Matthew 18, Matthew 18, verse 15. Now, in 18, verses 1 through 14, Jesus cautions his disciples not to be those whom offense comes through. That's verses 1 through 14. Not to be those who offense comes through. Now in 15, Jesus changes it a little bit. Because in 15, he begins to address if a sin is committed against you. Okay? If a sin has been committed against you. Now, the sin being something like maybe a false report, um, tail-bearing, just saying things that just are not true, okay? Um, But let's read, starting at verse 15. And if your brother sins against you, go and reprove him in private. In private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. And it stops right there. It don't need to go any further. Because he listened, she listened, you have won them over. Okay? And with that, the thought is that some changes will be made. Okay, but let's look at 16. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you. So by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. Now, let's just stay right there for a minute. Take two or three witnesses. Do we see what the word is saying? Witnesses. Those who have also experienced the behavior of this individual. Because what the word is saying, if they don't listen to you, You've taken two and three others that say, no, wait a minute, you do, you did this. Because you did it to me. Not two or three people that don't know nothing about what's going on. They know absolutely nothing about what's going on. 
So they're going to be sitting there looking side-eyed, hoping that nothing is asked of them. Let's keep going. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church. Now, this person done had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get it right. So this person could never say that they just threw me out. No, you had, first of all, somebody came to you in private, then they bought two or three other witnesses, then that didn't work, so they went to the church involving the entire body, and now you still not listening? Look at what's, ha- what's gonna happen, okay? Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, an unbeliever, because they're not acting like a believer. So we then must treat them like they're acting as a body, as a body. But it's with redemptive purpose and value. It is not for naught, but it's with hope that this person will repent. Because in 1 Timothy 1.20, it says that Paul, uh, Timothy, excuse me, it says in 1 Timothy 1.20, I'm getting excited. It says that, that deliver him over to Satan. Meaning to allow Satan to buffet him, to tear him up, that he'll come running back to the church and repent because he can't handle it out there. He's got to come back to the body, to where there is safety, to where there is provision, to where people will guard and protect him and her. Because sometimes we think we big and bad, but this world don't have nothing for us, and it will tear us up. It will tear us up. That's one. Because the thing is, we are to be patient with one another's weakness. Not one another's wickedness. Not one another's wickedness, but one another's weakness. Number two, we're still talking about what if a person doesn't want to be kept. Number two, being our brother's keeper involves our actions, not the other person. And I want to make that clear, it involves our actions, not necessarily the other person's, meaning this, you and I are to live a one another life, whether the other brother or sister is living it or not. Whether they're receptive to it 
or not. It's not to change us and our disposition towards them. We are still to live a one another life. And we have to keep in mind that we cannot fix one another. That is not our responsibility. So don't take on something that is not your responsibility to take on, that it is only the Holy Spirit that can change the heart of a person. Sometimes we take too much on us. It is only the Holy Spirit that can change the heart of an individual. That said, we are still a part of one another's transformation process. So being our brother's keeper is what we do and who we are. It's what we do and who we are. Ephesians 5.21 says that we are to be subject or submit to one another in the fear or out of reverence for Christ. And unfortunately, the uh, Western culture um, has made its way into the church and, and into our situations. And so individuals are trying often, notably without any success, to mature in their faith alone. To mature in their faith alone. And it's impossible because God has given us a body of believers of, to be a part of our lives, to help us grow. We cannot mature in our faith alone. We need one another to mature. And so the belief is that I can mature on my own until the bottom falls out. Until the bottom falls out. And so with that, we are to submit to one another. We are. Because we are called into relationship that reflects the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each member of the body of Christ contributes to the other. Each one has a lead part that no other part can play. When a brother doesn't want to submit, when a sister doesn't want to submit because they're not wanting to live this one another life, we don't abandon our role as bodybuilders. We don't abandon it because one or two people are not receptive of this one another life that you and I are trying to live. We don't just chuck it all in, throw it all in. I ain't never gonna be body with nobody. I ain't about all this bodybuilding and keeping and all of that. No. It is who we are. I think that what causes disconnect oftentimes is the, in the community of faith, this community, is at times we are all speak in a different language. We're, all, we're, all, we're, we're trying to get one another to understand our language. Listen to me. Let me talk. 
we keep trying to get at, to understand the language when God has given us a common language. He's given us a common language right here that we will all be speaking the same thing. But we still keep trying to speak this different language. And in this series, uh, there was no emphasis placed on personalities, you know, different personalities in the body and so forth. And that was on purpose. And that's because I didn't want us to highlight one particular, well, this person is, has a type of person they're just hard to get along with, or this person is, this, as, as our brother's keeper and sister's keeper, that's irrelevant. The personality in this case, whether good, whether bad, whether pleasant, whether not so pleasant, is irrelevant because it doesn't change still who we are. That we are still our brother's keeper. It's not contingent upon my brother's or sister's personality or whether we click or not. It's not contingent upon the clicking. It's not. It never was. We're still to live a one another life. Still. So our response is agreement. Of one's own accord not being asked or forced. We are agreeing to what I am to do and who I am now that I'm in Christ. And the good news is we are well equipped. We are well equipped to be our brother's keeper. In three books in the Bible, talks about gifts, spiritual gifts, that God has freely given to the church. And out of these three books, you and I probably operate in several of them or God has given us several of them and then there are those who at any moment and we'll look at them that he can endow us with for that moment to do whatever it is he wants and has called us to do let's turn to Ephesians 4 11 Ephesians 4 11 three books and whereas you can find your gift. And I'll start reading. Verse 11 says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and some as teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. These gifts have been given to us, to men. And these gifts help develop others. These gifts help develop others, equip, develop. These gifts are those who would say, okay, 
what, if, whatever your gift is, we're going to help you to develop it. That's what these gifts have been given to us for. Apostle, an envoy, one cent. Prophets, the proclaimer of God's utterances. Powerful. But we're not all prophets. We're not all prophets. And I tell you, I wouldn't want to be one. Because it comes with a great burden. A great burden. Evangelists, a proclaimer of the gospel. Pastors, minister, um, shepherd, teachers, instructors. God has given us gifts. You are sitting right now next to a gift. You are sitting next to a gift. That's how when we quote unquote getting on each other nerve, that, that's what we have to remember. This is a gift given by God. Let's turn quick to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, and I'll read a little bit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord, and there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one spirit, and so on and so on and so on. And I love this chapter because remember earlier we were in chapter 13. Now after going through this chapter, listing the gifts, and Paul makes that little slight turn, but he says, without love, it's nothing. It's nothing. So I can prophesy, I can have mountain moving faith, but if I have not love, if I have not love. Because the gifts are for the welfare of men. They're for the welfare of men. Let's move on. So God has supplied us with what we need to be effective in the lives of one another. He has given us what we need or he has told us how to get it. So he's either, either given us what we need or he's told us how to get it. For instance, in James 1, 5, he says what? If any man lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask. Ask. So either he's given it to us or he's told us how to get it. 
Let's look quickly at Romans 12, 4 through 8. Romans 12, 4 through 8. And I'll start reading. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them accordingly. So if it's prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in serving, or if, or if he who teaches in his teaching, and so on, and so on, and so on. We are a gift to one another. We are gifts to one another. With gifts, at times, but we have to be careful because gifts can be misused. Because gifts are given by God. Gifts are stirred by the Holy Spirit. But gifts can also be stirred by the flesh. And so we have to be careful that our gift is stirred by the Spirit of God. And not many have been wounded and broken because of the misuse of gifts must be driven by the Holy Spirit. So although we are gifted, we want to look at some potential, a potential pitfall. And that pitfall is a lack of understanding. Proverbs 4, 7 says, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And with your wisdom, and with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. A pitfall is a danger or problem that is hidden or not obvious at first. So it's something that's not necessarily or normally obvious at first. And we're going to look at two. This is not an exhaustive list, but I thought of these two to bring out in our discussion. One, discernment. Discernment, because many have fallen because of someone's discernment, okay? Many, all right? So discernment is sound judgment. And to judge is to separate or, or, or sift. But it's sound judgment which makes possible the distinguishing of good from evil. It's the distinguishing between good and evil, those two, good and evil, not the color of shoes she wore to church. I know that sounds crazy, okay? But we can start trying to fabricate and figure out something just because somebody's type of shoes they have on. And build a whole Doctrine. And the sad part about of it, sad part about it, is many fall for it. That's what's sad. 
So discernment is given by God through his Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. It is received through God's word. And through the insight of a renewed mind. Discerning believers seek to grow in their understanding and knowledge of God's truth. Because that's what drives true discernment, is the truth of God's word. That's what drives it. So how do we use discernment in the right way? By understanding truth. Pitfall. Discernment is not some uh, telekinetic ability. This is from God, the Holy Spirit, that it comes. The Holy Spirit. Sometimes we get real spooky. Real spooky. Okay, let's move on. Judgment is the other pitfall. Judgment. Let's turn quickly to Matthew 7. We've got to see this. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. When I get there, I'm going to start reading. It says, do not judge lest you be judged. For in the same way you judge, you will be judged. And your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck? Let's let's look at the contrast here, okay? Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log? That's a big difference right there. (laughs) That is in your own eye. Now, this is Jesus. This is our Lord saying this. Okay? For, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of yours, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, uh, the thing is, we often think that we can... Some, in some way discern a person's hidden motive or their intent, but we cannot. We can't. We can't. We sometimes render a verdict in one another's lives. That, that's often not fair. We become judge, jury, and executioner. An executioner in our actions. Judge, jury, and executioner. Importantly, it is only God who can get beyond the external. It's only God who can get beyond the external. Only him. We often focus on the small flaws in one another's life instead of dealing with the huge stuff in our own. That's what the Lord is saying. He's making that contrast, speck, log, speck, log. Speck, log. Okay. So, there are times when our brother doesn't want to be kept by us. It's not always. Or our sister doesn't want to be kept by us because we're so super critical. We are so super critical. So why would they want to be? We are. It's not in all places, but I want to put that out there because it happens. 
We are. We can be. I know that I can be. That's something that I've had to work on. Not realizing it at one point, so it blew up in my face. You are super critical. And I had to deal with that thing. So when a person is saying that they don't want to be judged, basically what they're saying is that you are, they are saying to you, you are just as flawed as I am. That's what they're saying. You are just as flawed as I am. With that, there are times when we as believers have to judge. And we judge not motives or intent, because remember, it is God that only knows, that God who knows the heart. But what we can sift and separate is a person's behavior. Because behavior speaks louder than words. That's what we judge because we can see it. We judge it because we can see it. And so when the person says, well, you can't, you can't judge me. Yes, I can. Because I see it. And in order to guard and protect you, I'm going to say something. In love, but I'm going to say something. Because I am your keeper. Whether you want to be kept or not. It's my duty before God. So we must speak to behavior. Behavior. Titus 3.10, and you don't have to turn there. It says, reject a fictitious man after a first and second warning. That's Titus said that, 3.10. Reject a fictitious man after a first and second warning. In other words, if someone is sowing discord, we're to speak to that. We're to warn them three times, and three times, three times, three strikes, and you're out. We have a responsibility, not just the pastors. We, as children of the living God, as body believers, Body believers, yeah, bodybuilders. We have that responsibility. Someone sowing discord, we warn them. Then we must reject them. We don't stop loving them. And that's the key. But we're rejecting what they're doing. And that's what we're speaking to. Three strikes, and I warned you once. I'm gonna warn you again. Tell them what you're gonna do now. Tell them. This is what I'm gonna do. If it happens again, so you won't be surprised. And you won't put, put on Facebook that somebody done stabbed you in the back. There's another relationship that I'm about to leave. I'm about to throw away. They ain't doing me right. Go. (laughs) A 
until you get this right. Until you get it right. Now, we're not talking about that cutting off thing. Because we're saying go with redemptive purpose in it. That they will repent and turn and come back and get this right. So as we begin to close, let's look at the previous implications from the last few parts. One, we have a responsibility to guard and protect one another. Two, love is essential among the brethren. Three, love should be our greatest aim. Four, we can fulfill our obligation as our brother's keeper by living a one another life. That's how we can fulfill our obligation, by living a one another life. Tonight's implication, we are equipped to guard and protect one another. We are equipped to guard and protect one another. God has already given us what we need and what we don't have, all we have to do is ask. That's all we have to do is ask. So what about application? One, name your spiritual gift and share it with one other person. Name it. You have three books, three passages of scripture that you can look through. Pray, ask God if you don't know, Lord, what? Oftentimes, our gift, we may not be able to put our finger on it or know what to call it. And that's why I encourage you to read these passages. Um, because there lie you may discover what you have been unable to put a name to. Okay? So you want to name your gift and you want to share it with a, another person because you want to make yourself accountable. You want to stop holding that in, keep, you know, waiting for somebody else to find it for you. No, share it with somebody. Share it. Be bold. Declare it. God has given it to you. Declare it. Share with them any hindrances, hindrances you may have in using your gift. Share that. Be honest. And allow them to pray for you. Or the second one. Ask a friend if you are super critical. Now a friend who's going to tell you the truth. Not one who's trying to keep the friendship so they're going to lie. A friend that's going to tell you the truth. Am I super critical? Because this could be blocking your impact as your brother's keeper. That concludes the series, Am I My Brother's Keeper? Amen. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, 
Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.